Oh, hello friends. Hello, Facebook. Hello, Instagram. Um, this is the first time we're going live on Instagram with Office Hours. So hi, friends. Um, I'm so happy that we're here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me or don't know what Office Hours is or is kind of new to the whole Kate Lumpkin experience of a life, um, I'm Kate Lumpkin. I am a casting director. I uh, am the casting director at Kate Lumpkin Casting, my firm. Uh, and every week, I come on to Facebook Live and to Instagram now um, to take your industry questions. So from six to seven, I'll be here every Sunday to take any questions that you might have about the industry. So any question is a good question. I don't believe that anything is stupid or silly or is too personal or is too kind of outlandish or crazy. Um, please, please, please feel free to ask me anything. However, I can only answer from my point of view, right? So if what I'm saying doesn't resonate with you or um, isn't something that sounds good or is not advice that you want to take, then please, 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 my loves, keep scrolling. Goodbye. Keep scrolling. Um, and that is a-okay by me. But please know that I am here. I am a free reference. I am here to take any and all of your questions. Um, so if you have a question, please feel free to type it in the comments below or, um, oh, hi, friends. Everyone's saying hi on Instagram. Hi. Um, it's so good that you guys are here. Um, but truly, I have been collecting questions now. This is season two of Office Hours. I have 30 hours worth of free information from last season that you can find um, in videos on Facebook, but also on um, iTunes. You can just search for Office Hours with Kate Lumpkin, and you are going to get a ton of free information from last year. But we're back now, uh, and I'm here for the next, I'm going to say, probably 15 weeks. Every Sunday, I will be here throughout audition season to take any of your questions. Um, so again, please, please, please feel free to uh, send me a question in a private message or to send it on Instagram or on Facebook. I am here. I have been compiling a lot of questions over the past um, several weeks. You guys have been sending me stuff on Instagram and on Facebook. So I have this whole spreadsheet because y'all know Mama Kate loves a spreadsheet. So I have a whole spreadsheet of questions that I want to get to. But I also want to make sure to take some of your live questions. If you're here, let me know. Say hey. Oh, you're so cute. Thank you. Um, say hey. Leave me a little message below. Let me know that you're here. Let me know that you're a part of the conversation. And also, if you are on Facebook and you think that this might be valuable to somebody else, please feel free to tag them below or share this video so that we can get right to it and get right to the advice. Yeah? Okay, great. So y'all know if you were here with me last season, y'all know I like to start everything off by talking about um, an experience that I've seen somebody else go through recently in an audition or kind of in this industry um, before we start getting to questions. So the thing that I want to remind you, since we are like revving up, audition season is here, mon petits. Um, so the thing that I like to remind everybody, hands down, first off, is this. Do not talk about things in public that you don't want other people to know about. And I know this sounds like very, very, very kind of common advice, but you know, last year I did this whole video about like, Ninth Avenue is public, honey. Um, and it's true. I, I just want to kind of go through and talk about some of the things that have happened recently that I just want to remind you guys, like when you say something on Facebook, when you say something out loud, especially if you're in a public space, like someplace um, like Ripley Greer or at uh, Pearl Studio or if you're just walking down Ninth Avenue or if you're at the theater or somewhere, anywhere in New York where people who are creatives are creating. I just want to remind you that everybody knows everybody. Everybody feels empowered on the internet to talk about what they're hearing. And everybody is going to hear what you're saying and take it in through their own perspective and then probably re-verbalize it through their own perspective. And I just wanted to let you know and to, to remind you all, like things like audition update are awesome when they're awesome and they're awful when they're awful, right? Facebook is an awesome tool when it's useful and it is a terrible tool when it is used in a really negative way. So I just want to like take a beat. If you have a crappy audition, if the people in the room were crappy, that's on them. If you feel like you had a crappy audition and you need to like put the blame on somebody else or put the blame on yourself and you're verbalizing it in some way, just remember that other people might hear about your experience. And without your consent, they might talk about what you have just said. That happens all the time. I see people say like overheard in New York or like overheard in this studio or overheard on Facebook or like sharing stuff um, that 
isn't necessarily you giving someone else permission to talk about your story, but they will anyways. Or you're on an elevator and, um, and you're talking about something, something that happened, something awful, a show that you saw that you didn't like, or a performance that you thought was weak, or an audition that you just thought was terrible, and all of a sudden, um, someone's writing about your experience and how you feel on the internet, or that person, or that person's best friend is also on the elevator with you, right? And all of a sudden, this, th this moment that you thought was a personal moment is no longer personal. And this industry, any industry in real, in real life, but this industry in particular is just full of people who have a lot of feelings. <laughs> we like to express them, but we also, it's really hard when we hear something super negative about something that we've worked really hard at, right? Um, it, it's just not a great feeling and uh, it happens a lot. And so I just want you guys to be really thoughtful and to really protect yourselves, your art, your connections, your futures, who you are, how you feel. And this is just your like, start of audition season reminder that you are allowed to feel anything you want to feel. You are allowed to say anything you want to say. But just remember that there are eyes and there are ears all over this city, all over this country. And what you say might be screenshotted. It might be written about. It might be overheard in a way that you just don't necessarily want it to be. So I just want you to be super smart about talking about your feelings because these things get around and sometimes it's just not great, right? It's just not great when people start talking about it. So I just wanted to put that out there. That is my number one piece of advice. People always ask me like, what's your number one piece of advice for people who are auditioning in the city? And I'm like, feel your feels, but feel them at home. <laughs> feel your feels within your comfortable walls, yes? Because it just, everybody is working so hard. Everybody is trying their best and sometimes their best is not great. Sometimes people are having crappy days and they take it out on you. And that is awful, but it's also real life, yes? And so feel your feels, honor your emotions, honor the fact that this is a really tricky place to be, but just be really cautious about where you're talking about things. And in all honesty, if you want to have an interaction about something that didn't feel great, have that interaction with the person, not behind their back, not in a way that is like public and, and self, um, makes you feel good, but makes other people feel bad. It's just never gonna work out for you. It's just never gonna be what you want it to be. So that's my little moment of encouragement. I've seen this happen a couple times recently where people have either like found themselves in hot water or people are talking about people that could potentially like help them get jobs or people are finding themselves in really uncomfortable situations and they're coming to me and they're like, I messed up, what do I do? And then we have to come up with a plan of like, how to make this situation better and why do that when you could just be smarter about it, right? My friend Robert Hartwell always says, work smarter, not harder. Yes, so let's just be smarter on 9th Avenue. There we go. All right, so now we're gonna take some questions. Again, if you have any questions for me, please feel free to write them in the comments on Instagram or on Facebook. I'll see them, they'll pop up, and I'm here for anything that you might need. I'm here until seven, so we got 50 minutes, friends. We got 50 minutes of quality time. I am a totally free resource, and I will do my best to answer whatever questions you might have, but we're gonna go, we're gonna go to the spreadsheet now, y'all. We're gonna take it in. Hopefully some of these questions are things that um, resonate with you guys and, and might be things that you have questions about too. Oh, there's a mosquito. There's a mosquito in my house. Um, but if not, uh, stick with me because we're going to get to a lot of questions today. Okay, great. So my first question that I have here <laughs> is about union and non-union talent. So um, this says, hey, I'm wondering if you have any advice for non-union talent without representation on how to be seen. I'm EMC and I have one waiver and I'm new to New York City, but I've been performing for over 20 years. It's already been a disappointing audition season for me, mostly because being seen at all has been impossible. Thank you so much for your insight. Okay, so I get questions about equity versus non-equity versus EMC all the time. And I just kind of want to start by saying your journey is your journey, right? Some people are super excited um, to be union members and they're, you know, very excited about all the benefits of what it means to be in the union. As a card-carrying actors equity union member myself, I am very proud of how much work it took to join that union. Um, but I will say it is a very interesting time, especially in New York City, to be an equity actor. Um, if you are working on Broadway, the union is super duper helpful for you. Um, it does all sorts of great things. 
But we are seeing that there's a lot of work that's going non-union. Yes, this is not new information. There are lots of national tours. There are lots of really cool, immersive, interesting pieces working non-union in the city. I cast a whole lot of those things. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are trying to expedite the process of joining the union. And um, to them, I would say, if you are at a place where you really, really, really feel strongly competitive with the people who are consistently working on Broadway, by all means, please feel free to like jump right on in, do it, get all those great benefits, have the union on your back. On your back? Not on your back. Have the union have your back. Um, but I will say there's a whole lot of work for non-union performers. And to answer this question, how do you get seen? How do you get known as a non-union performer? Well, clearly this is right. Like going to open calls that are for non-union projects or for projects that are seeing non-union talent is always a great way to be seen. But I do think a couple things. You need to be on Actors Access. We've talked about this before. Um, Actors Access is a tool that is used to submit yourself. If you're not already on there, you really need to get on there. And when you're on Actors Access, you need to have media clips of you doing what you do best. You need to have your resume. You need to have good photos that make you, that showcase who you are. And then you need to start submitting for projects. And you really need to keep an eye out for quality non-union work. And that's partially your job, right? It's looking for breakdowns. It's looking through all of the things on Playbook any place where you're seeing things being posted for work, you need to be on them daily and you need to be submitting for these projects. And more importantly, so I do this a lot, guys. Like I, I truly cast a lot of really cool, like immersive, new, non-union work. Um, and one thing that I spend a whole lot of my time doing when I'm trying to set up these sessions is looking at new talent. And I will stalk you to the ends of the earth. My husband, who's not here, he's grocery shopping, but if he were here, he would tell you that I spend a majority of my time on the couch stalking actors, trying to find their Instagram, trying to see if they have any footage of them singing, going on YouTube, trying to find a website, trying to figure out who you are and what you believe in, what you stand for and what your voice sounds like. Um, so, you know, if you're a non-union performer and you are submitting for projects, make it easier for me to want to bring you in. And that comes from, if we haven't met before, if you haven't auditioned for me before, that comes from you making sure that you are accessible in a public way um, for CDs to be looking for you. Um, so that means, again, having footage of like what you do best on the internet somewhere. Um, and my preference, of course, is for it to be on a website. Your website is, I say this all the time, it's your digital portfolio. So making sure that you have all of those things accessible and easy for me to find is gonna just make my life so much easier. Make it easy for me to stalk you. That's always, you know, so great. Now, again, protect yourselves. Don't be foolish. Don't put information up that you don't need other people to see. But if you would like to be a performer in a way that allows you to be seen, you have to make yourself available to be seen on the internet. So that's one other thing. Um, and I do think if you're a non-union performer, a huge part of what work I would do right now is to see like who are, do some Googling, do some investigative work. Like who are the next directors that are doing interesting work in places that, um, you know, you might be interested in. Make a spreadsheet of these things. Who are these directors? Who are these producers? Like, who are the young producers who are producing the work that you care about? Who are the people who are going, who are creating concerts at 54 Below, Green Room, um, all of these places that are new composers? Make spreadsheets of all of these things and then find a way to either be at these places, contact these people. All of these people have websites and email addresses. Um, Create your database, basically, of the next generation of greats. Because as we all rise together, we rise as a tribe. Yes, we rise together. We see this in every generation. There are groups of directors, casting people, actors, writers, that all kind of come together and rise to the top. And so your job is to figure out like, okay, who are your people that you wanna create with and rise to the top and then get in contact with them. And a lot of times they're really looking for non-union talent because it's a lot cheaper to produce a show when you don't have to deal with all of the kind of like union negotiations. And so there's some really interesting work happening in New York that's all new and that's with a lot of um, interesting people. 
and new composers and new writers. So that's kind of my thought there. Also get to know the casting directors um, and the assistants and the associates who are working on non-union stuff. There are certain casting offices that do not do any non-union work. So my thought is don't waste your time there. Do you know what I mean? Find the people who are doing the interesting non-union work that you like. Um, who are the people, you know, I have the answers, but I'm not going to tell you because you have to do your homework too. Who are the casting offices that are casting all of the non-equity national tours? You need to figure that out. Make that list and make sure you're trying to submit yourself not just for those projects, but for other projects in that office. Um, you know, all of this advice can also work for people who are equity actors, but truly, like, if you are trying to kind of be seen and get known, you have to do your research. Yes, like a huge part of this is your job, figuring out what offices are casting the work that you're actually available and write for and who are the writers and composers who are being produced in a non-union forum. Yes, so that is what I have to say about that. Um, I think I got a question here, so I'm just going to look at that real fast. I have more questions. Um, hi, friends. There are a lot of people on Instagram who are saying hi. It's so good to see you. Um, it's so exciting to be on Instagram this time as well, not just Facebook. I'm so happy that there are so many people here joining me. Um, I just want to get this question, and then I'll go to my next one as well. Okay. Do, do, do. I don't want to hear my own voice. This happens every time. Um, okay, so this says, sometimes I self-submit for projects to see these emails and get a little pushback for initiating direct communication. I'm always a little confused because I feel like I've developed a rapport with someone and I'm just utilizing my resources in hopes of being considered for a project. I don't want to look pushy, but these are very basic submission emails with my simple materials, headshot resume, reel, etc. Is this super taboo? Why is taking initiative sometimes perceived as pushy in a self-sustaining industry like this? Ooh! Uh, uh, amen. Okay, here's the deal. So, like I always say, everybody's office is their own. Everybody's process is their own. Um, and my office, feel free whenever to submit. Um, you can always, if there's a project that you're interested in submitting to, if we have a rapport and you already have my email address, you can always feel free to submit to me. Um, you can also always submit to, you know, my assistant if you have that email address. Um, I will never be offended by a submission. I think that to me shows initiative and shows promise and it shows someone who's actually excited to be doing the work. So um, that will never bother me. However, there are offices that that is just super not their jam. Um, and they usually have a specific email that's like submission at insertofficehere.com. Um, so just kind of learning the, the differences in offices and how they... Um, how they work, I think is really important. But I will say, yeah, I think we're on the cusp of something new in this industry. Um, I think that there are, there's a new wave of how this work is being done. Um, and this work meaning the whole process of creating a show from start to finish. I think that for a long time, this process has been super, super corporate. Um, and there are some people who are coming in who don't want it to be as corporate. They want it to be a little more personal um, and, uh, and just a little different. And both ways are totally awesome and totally acceptable. Like, let's be perfectly frank, there, this, there's no right answer as to how to create a show or how to be an actor or how to be a business person or how to work in casting, how to be a writer. There's no right answer here. But what I will say is, um, you know, everybody has a right to, to push back and say like, this isn't how we accept submissions. And it's part of your job to learn how people take submissions, how people prefer to be submitted to. But I will say, I think we are seeing a shift. And if writing emails and, and kind of, you know, putting yourself out there in that way is something that feels really comfortable to you and is how you want to go about making your career happen for you, I say amen. Like, I say you got to do you. Knowing full right that there are some people that might feel alienated by it and not like it. And if they say that to you, then don't do it again, right? Like, be smart about it. If there are some people who... Um, really like it, like myself, you may not hear back from me, right? You might not get an answer that's like, hey, perfect. Um, you might not get an appointment, but I'm certainly not going to like delete it and be like this jerk submitting himself being a proactive actor and performer. No, for me, I think that's pretty awesome. But again, that's my office. That's how I trained my staff. That's how we feel. And a part of the responsibility, I think, of being an entrepreneur in any field, but every single actor is also an entrepreneur, is figuring out what the kind of um, stasis or um, fluctuation of stasis is in your current field and figuring out 
how to play the field, as it were, um, and making sure that you're doing it in a way that feels good to you, honors you, and um, also honors the people that you're working with. So I think if someone writes you back and says, like, this isn't how I accept submissions um, and is a little pushy, then I think you write back and you say, I'm so sorry. Uh, I really apologize. This won't happen again. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Right? And then don't submit that way. Um, if you don't hear back from someone, I think to me that feels like you can continue until they tell you they don't want it anymore. Um, yeah, but I have to say, I think we are in a world right now where taking initiative is the only way to get what you want. Um, and time and time again, you know, depending on where you kind of are in the structure of this this field, you've got to make yourself seen. There are thousands of people who want to do this. And, uh, you know, taking a risk is is just that. Sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not. Um, and I highly doubt though any office will ever like completely write you off as a terrible human and a buffoon and an awful human just for submitting to the wrong email address. Um, but you know, be cautious and take note and, and be smart about it. Um, and these are things that you can figure out pretty quickly and you can ask around about. But for me, for my money, if there's something you want, you've got to find a way to get seen. You've got to find a way to get into it, you know? So I applaud you for trying, and I also applaud you for honoring, like, these people didn't like it, so now I'm not going to do that again. Um, everybody has their own opinions. Everybody is doing their own thing, right? So we've just got to honor it and move on. Uh, but I am I am totally team uh, send me an email. <laughs> that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Okay, it looks like I got a question on Instagram, so... Um, it says, is it possible to just, to just working in New York or is it best to take every job, even the ones that pull you all around the world? Okay. So this is a great question. So this person is saying like, is it best just to work in New York or is it okay to take jobs that take you all around the world? Um, for me, for my money, I have never understood this mentality of Broadway or bust. Um, I don't get it. Personally, I, I think that Broadway is an incredible, incredible aspiration and an incredibly cool thing, but it's not everything, right? Like there's other really cool, really interesting art happening all over the world um, and happening in New York that's not Broadway and happening on cruise ships and happening, you know, in, in, in burlesque clubs in Amsterdam. Like there's really cool art happening in Vegas. There's really cool art happening everywhere. And, you know, most people, when they sign up to work, they just want to work. They want to do interesting things. But there's this other kind of like classification of performer who like just wants to be on Broadway. And I always want to shake them a little bit and say like, why? Why do you want to be on Broadway? Is it because you want to tell stories? Is it because you love this art form? Or is it because you want the prestige of being on Broadway? And if that's the case, that's cool. Like you're allowed to be that kind of performer, but just know that about yourself. And then maybe you don't want to leave New York. But if you're interested in doing other stuff, if you want to get paid to be a singer and see the world, like take jobs, go, go be an actor where people want to pay you to be an actor. Um, I have a lot of people, you know, I cast for some cruise ships, and there are a lot of people who book and then say they don't want the contract, uh, which is a whole nother hill of beans. We'll get into that at some point. Um, but I am always fascinated when the reason is that they feel like it's more important to stay in New York. And I think like, wow, this is a six month contract. I always tell people, look at where you were six months ago and look at where you are now. Um, is, is your life so entirely different that if it's six months from now, you could have been paid real people money to be a performer eight shows a week and you get to see the world, why would you not do it? Um, and, you know, so for me, it's it's such a personal experience to answer your question. Uh, you know, is it worth leaving New York and seeing the and taking jobs other places? For me, for my money, I think the more experiences you can have, the more you can see the world, the more you can explore and bonus, like get paid to be a performer in that space. Um, I say go. Go and experience. Go get more footage for your reel. Go learn more about yourself. What happens when you go to Peoria and you have to experience being you as a human in a new space? Take stock of that. Make new friends. Make new connections. Work with new directors. Work with new artistic directors. These kind of things are so important to your career. And it's that thing of, you know, you can stay in New York, you can be there, um, and you can be doing a certain kind of work while you're trying to get the next kind of work. But also remembering a whole lot of this industry now is done by self-taping. You can always present that as an option. Not always, but a lot of the time you can present that as an option. Um, so why would you not try 
to take a job where someone's paying you and you get to explore. That's just my like five cents, five cents. That's my like thousand cents. Um, but I do think that, um, you have to assess these things with your team. You have to assess these things with yourself, your family, all of those things. But man, oh man, if I got paid to just be a performer on some, you know, in some exotic location, getting paid money and all that, I would jump on that. Absolutely. We learn from ourselves when we do things, not when we stay in stasis, not when we stay in the same. So if we want to be better performers, better humans, better creatives, we have to explore the world and explore ourselves. And bonus, if you're getting paid to do it, like, why not, Buttercup? Why not? Um, okay, so I hope that answered your question. Uh, if not, let me know in the comments. Cruise ships and Broadway, do it all. I'm on Broadway now, but my last job was a cruise ship and I loved it and they pay really well. Amen, yes, yes, yes. There are lots of ways to be performers and to make money and to see the world and to do all the things. So everything is a stepping stone in this life. Everything is an experience. Take it all in, do all the things. That's kind of my my way of looking at this life. Um, looks like I got another question, so I'm gonna look here. Oh, hi, Annie. I miss you, too. Hi. Um, okay, so that question wasn't there. Let's see. So I have a question here. This says, am I useless in this industry because I can't riff or constantly belt ease? I'm a classically trained soprano with a powerful belt. My head voice extension is stratospheric, fierce, but my belt tops out at a D except on a very good day. I'm feeling beaten down because I know what I have to offer, but it seems like all anybody wants right now is crazy riffy skrelters. Oh, I hear you, friends. I hear you. Okay, so here's the deal. We know this is true in any industry across the board, be it our industry, be it pharmaceutical industry, be it being a teacher, being anything. There are trends, right? There are trends in life. There are trends in music and art and culture and food and clothes and all the things. Um, and right now, I think you're right. I think we are seeing a definite trend towards um, singers who lean into a pop rock feel, singers who can effortlessly riff and tell a story in that way. We're definitely, definitely seeing that, especially in new work. And I think that is because people are writing in the style of what they listen to, of what they like, of what that is. And we see that in our entire history of this experience of musical theater, right? The music that was being written in the 40s is similar to the sound of the other, of popular music that was written in the 40s, right? We see this in every generation. In the 70s, we had a shift in our aesthetic of what music sounded like on Broadway because we had a shift in the aesthetic of what music sounded like in the world. So I'm not surprised that the, the musical theater um, community is kind of leaning in towards this kind of pop, um, indie rock, uh, you know, acoustic sound of a life. So I will say, I think if you are someone who is a, a younger person, someone who's still in conservatory, make sure that you are training. If you are in a college program and you don't feel like you're getting any training in sort of that pop rock folk mentality, make sure you are talking to your school and that you're getting that because that is what we are doing here. That is a huge part of what is happening in New York and around the country. Um, so, you know, make sure that you're getting that education. And I think, you know, the other reality is we will never, ever, ever stop having that beautiful classical sound in any of our stuff. And we see it even in these kind of newer musicals that are being written, there's always a beautiful soprano sound. So for me, uh, no, you're not useless. Also, I hate that you wrote that. I hate that you feel like you are not seen or able to work or any of those kind of things because of your vocal quality and who you are. Who you are is beautiful, right? Like Kelly O'Hara is is important and seen. Audra McDonald is important and seen. There are productions of Kiss Me Kate happening all over this country forever and they will never go away because it's classic. It's beautiful. It's timeless. It tells a story that's important still. I mean, it's Shakespeare, so, you know, it's going to happen forever. Um, so no, you are not at all useless. However, what I will say to people who find themselves, um, I, I say, people who find themselves classical in a contemporary world, who am I, look at me, who am I talking to? Classical in a contemporary world, let's be perfectly frank. Um, no one's gonna wanna pay to hear me sing anything at all, period, that's not my life anymore, but also definitely not uh, pop rock, uh, look at me. But what I will say is if you know that's not your jam, 
do not set yourself up to not win right? Like figure out what the offices are in this city that cast revivals, that cast that kind of classic sound, even if it's a new musical, right? Like Lincoln Center is going to be your jam. So who are casting these productions? Yes, Roundabout is going to be your jam. Do the research. Who's casting these productions? Um, find composers that are, um, that are writing with a classical sound, even if it is contemporary musical theater. Like we look at someone like Adam Guan, right? Who writes these really, really, really beautiful musicals that are definitely contemporary musicals, but there's definitely this kind of strain of a sound that is classical um, and leans into a beautiful soprano voice. So it's your job, I think also, to make sure that you're setting yourself up to win. Stop trying to go to auditions where they're looking for a pop rock sound if that's not what you do, because there are a lot of people who do do it and who do it really beautifully. Um, and they're not gonna be nearly as successful in, in their moments um, in an audition that is leaning in towards a classical sound. So for me, for my money, and this goes across the board no matter what, what kind of voice you have or what kind of aesthetic you have as a human um, or, or any of these kind of things, it's about taking the time to figure out where does my point of view and my experience of a life match with um, creative teams that are creating that. How do I get into those rooms? How do I make connections with those people who are writing that material, those people who have a tendency to cast that material, those people who have a tendency to produce, most importantly, that material? Um, and, and making sure that you're not wasting your time trying to create a family that's never going to actually serve you in return, right? Like the people who consistently work with someone like, let's say like Joe Iconis, um, who get your life, Joe. Joe is having quite a year. So amen. But he's had like a family of artists for a very long time. They've created together for a long time. They have a specific kind of like energy point of view, vocal quality that kind of rests in what he writes. And they've worked together for a long time. And now those relationships and that family are still continuing to work together. And now it's in a, you know, very slick, cool off Broadway show. Be more chill. Go see it if you haven't seen it. Um, and that kind of thing is really important. So finding the people who are writing for your vocal type, finding the offices that are casting for that, and really setting it and making an intention and setting your mission towards getting in those rooms and getting with those people, I think is so important. We've got to stop spreading ourselves so thin and start really kind of narrowing down who is going to be a helper in your life, who can you serve and who can serve you in return and stop investing in offices and people and writers and relationships that are not going to do that. Um, because we've got to know ourselves, know our instrument, and know what we bring to the table, I think. Um, and that's, that's like my number one piece of advice this audition season is like walk through doors that want you there. Um, and make sure that if you think they do want you there, they just don't know you yet, you better show up. You better show up and tell them what they've been missing. You know what I mean? But make sure that your aesthetic, your point of view, your experience of a life and your vocal type, if you're a singer, all match together in a way that feels awesome to you and is going to resonate with the people in that room. It makes a difference. Don't walk into a room where it's not going to hit because you're just going to walk away feeling not so great. And that makes me sad. Um, so it looks like somebody just brought something up. Let me see what's going on here. I think I have a question. Um... Sorry, friends. Taking a second here. Um, great. So much technology. I wish you guys could see the behind the scenes here. The phone and the, the camera and the recorder for the podcast and the iPad. It's just so many things. Um, okay, so this says... Um, I'm so glad somebody brought up the pop rock versus classical training thing. I was trained with a classical legit background singing a bunch of legit ballad-esque stuff like Scarlet Pimpernel. Fierce, honey. Get into it. Yes. Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, you were raised on all of the, the Wild Horn power ballads. Um, but my look matches rock shows, so now I'm pretty much having to learn to sing in an entirely different way. I hope college programs will start adjusting to the changing landscape of MT since every show isn't in the style of Weber. Oh, I hear you, friend. I totally hear you. What I will say is, I think the good news is that classical sound really can 100% um, 
morph into a rock sound, but it's about finding a really good vocal coach, a really good um, teacher who can help you understand your instrument and how to adjust your sound and get into um, a new aesthetic and a new place with your voice. Make sure you're working with someone who really, really, really can help you in that arena. Um, it comes down to not just your vocal quality, but how you carry your body, how you carry your energy. And there are a lot of people who can really help you with that, but make sure you're not trying to figure it out by yourself. Um, make sure you have someone who's really helping you with those things. But I hear you. I do think that um, I hope beyond all shadow of a doubt, and I'm trying desperately to make sure, and I know there are other people like Jerry Sanders as well, who want to make sure that colleges and conservatories are actually training their students for the current landscape of what's happening in the musical theater world in New York and all around the country, which is definitely different from what it was in the early 2000s. We're seeing a major shift and we're not seeing a whole lot of educational changes. And so I do hope that that kind of new structure, um, new teaching, new ways of embracing pop rock as musical theater is going to come to more programs. And I think we are seeing that happening, but um, maybe not quite fast enough for some people. So I hear you. I honor what you're saying. Um, okay, we got another question that says, when casting, how important is height that's not specific in the script? Good addendum. Especially for tall ingenues. I sometimes worry about wearing heels to auditions because I get nervous about being too tall for my type. First of all, um, anyone who knows me or who's watched Office Hours before, I do not believe in the term type. I don't believe in type. I think it is an antiquated notion that we need to move past. Um, I believe in through lines. I think we as human beings all um, have specific experiences of a life that kind of color and fill in the way that we approach text. And that is the through line that connects us to the text. I don't necessarily believe that your body dictates how you experience the world, though it does color the way you experience the world. Um, and I think we need to move on from this idea of typing people um, and saying that certain bodies are the ones that we believe can fall in love, certain faces are the ones we believe can um, tell certain stories. Unless it is in the text, unless it is in the script or in the breakdown or coming from the creative mind who created the piece, I think we should stop trying to box ourselves into type and rather understand our energy, understand um, what kind of vocal quality and what kind of human quality we bring into the room and then try to try to apply those things to the work. However, I, there are a lot of people who don't think that way, so that's just kind of my two cents about type. However, when it comes to height, a couple things. Uh, if it is in the script, like you're saying, if, if we're looking at someone who uh, is supposed to be very small or very, very tall, if someone is playing a giant in Big Fish, like, okay, maybe we need to think about height. Um, if not, if heels make you feel awesome and comfortable and make you feel glamorous and like a star and you want to wear them, then you need to wear them. Um, I, if it feels like um, you want to wear flats because you're nervous about being too tall, uh, I, I totally honor where that's coming from. And I think that uh, in certain cases, in certain rooms, and with certain people, that very much might make a difference. There are certain choreographers in particular who really like long bodies, right? There are other choreographers who like kind of muscular, uh, compact bodies. And you can learn these things based on looking at the cast that these people have created, who their kind of tribe of dancers always are, right? Um, but I think, you know, for me, for my money, I want someone to come into the room and feel amazing. And if you are wearing flats because you think that being two inches taller is really going to negate your opportunity, um, I hear you, but you're already setting yourself up to not get the job. Um, and I want you to feel amazing exactly as you are. And we can always take you out of heels if you book the job and you need to be a little bit shorter for some reason. Like, costuming is a real thing. Um, Again, I don't have all the answers, and in certain in certain moments in time, your height is going to make a difference. If there is a costume that costs $8,000, and they need to find someone who has the exact same body specifications to fit this costume because they cannot afford to make a new one, well, then height and your shape and your size are going to matter in that moment, right? Um, but if that's not the case, it just varies from moment to moment, office to office. My thought on this is wear the shoes that make you feel like you are going to nail the audition. And if they need you to be shorter, they'll ask you to wear flats. If they need you to be taller, they'll ask you to wear, wear heels. We'll figure it out together. Um, and and let, let us do our job and, and you can do yours in that moment. However, if there's something in a breakdown that is specific about height, 
honor it and and know that it's probably there for a reason. Yeah. Um, okay. I really loved. Oh, hey, thanks. That's so sweet. That's so kind of you. Um, I'm getting some very nice comments on Instagram, which is a very, very, very lovely thing. I'm very grateful. Um, okay. I think I got another comment here. Let me just check and make sure. Um, great. Great. Um, yes, someone just asked me if I have any recommendations for finding vocal coaches. My number one way I think of finding a vocal coach is talking to other people who are in New York about um, who they're working with and what you like about the person. Um, I personally, I'm not going to sit here and rattle off a list of names of people that I like. If that is something that you have a very specific question about, um, feel free to reach out to me directly and I can try to point you in the direction of people. But I think a voice teacher, a vocal coach is such a personal relationship. It's so intimate. It's so personal. Um, Literally, we are talking about like the inner workings of your body and the inner workings of your heart matching to Together to create music. So you really got to find someone who works for you. In my opinion, it's not about necessarily working with someone who has a huge name or making sure you have someone who is just like, uh, oh, I study with Tootlepop Magoodle. Like, no, it doesn't have to be that. You need to find someone who you trust to understand your inner workings physically and emotionally to create a song. So I'm happy to help you personally if that's something that um, you want to talk about. But I really do believe that a vocal coach is like next to your partner in life. Like it's that, it's that much of a connected experience. So I'm not going to answer that one with like listing off names of people I like, but I do have people that I really respect. And if you want to reach out one-on-one, um, I'm more than happy to talk you through some of those names. Um, okay. So it looks like I have another question here, which is, Um, I'm mixed race, half white, half Korean, and I always get mistaken for Latinx. I get very nervous auditioning for anything race specific because I don't want to be dishonest if a director thinks I'm Latinx, but people also don't think I look Asian to take any of those roles. Is there a time or a place to specify my race and how I identify? And are there roles or shows that I should go towards and stay away from? Thank you. Who friends, this is a conversation that I have quite frequently. Um, This is a conversation that I feel privileged to um, be a part of and privileged to kind of be at this moment in time um, to be able to be a listener and to take in what people are telling me and how uh, they want to experience this industry. So I can only answer this the best way I know how. If anyone else has opinions about this who actually um, deserves to have opinions about this that is not uh, a white cisgendered human like myself, um, please feel free to write in the comments below. I can only talk about this from conversations that I've had with other people, um, that I've had within the actors' equity community, that I've had with panel discussions. So, you know, everything I'm saying, take with a grain of salt, but please, please um, know that everything I I say about race is coming from a place of love and listening. Um, In this, in this, for this question specifically, this is what I would say. Um, You know, legally in an audition room or in any sort of audition scenario, no one is allowed to ask you about your identity. No one can ask you how you define yourself racially or about your gender identity, about your sexual identity, about any sort of way that you identify yourself. They cannot ask you and they shouldn't ask you. Um, It's not necessarily our business. It isn't our business. Um, However, if the show is about gender identity, is about race, is about something where the race, um, the, the way that you identify as a human is defined or determined by the text of the piece. My thought is this, you know, if... If you're on Actors Access and you feel comfortable defining yourself in a way that makes it easy for someone in my position to say, oh, that person is Latinx or, oh, that person identifies as X, Y, and Z, um, that's always very helpful, right? That is just helpful. But I also understand not wanting to define yourself. I get that. Not wanting to be defined by something like uh, something that you can tick off on a box. I totally get that. What I would say though is knowing that we can't do that. If someone sends you an appointment because they think in this case, this person who um, is half white, I believe you said half Filipino, but uh, sometimes appears Latinx. If you receive an appointment for let's say like in the Heights, right? Um, and someone believes you to be a member of a Latinx community. I think, I understand that you want to work. <laughs> we all want to work, but I think We are at a place in time where we need to respect that if a story is about a specific community or about a specific identity, that like 
the people who are of that community and of that identity deserve to have the opportunity to tell that story. Um, so if you get an appointment for something and you're like, hey, this is not me, my thought is to write back to the person who got you that appointment and say, hey, thank you so much for this opportunity. I do not consider myself or identify as a Latinx human being, so I don't feel confident or comfortable coming in for this audition. If there's another part in the show that you would like to see me for, I'd be super excited to do that. If not, I look forward to seeing you again soon, right? That is so simple. A, it helps me because I'm trying to do my job and I can't always do it right, right? Like I am doing everything I can, but sometimes if the information isn't given, um, assumptions are, are made. Uh, and I'm talking about me, but I think this goes across the board for anyone in a position trying to provide opportunities for people to be seen. So if someone makes a mistake like that, I think the best thing to say is, hey, I don't feel comfortable or confident taking this appointment, um, but I really appreciate the appointment uh, and I look forward to seeing you soon when there's a show that it would be appropriate for. Um, because the reality here is you don't want to take away the opportunity for someone who might be able to bring, who will be able to bring a truthful element of their experience of a life to a story that is about race. So when it comes to what show should I steer clear of, what, steer clear of shows that maybe don't ring true to your identity, right? And if you get an appointment for them or if an opportunity comes up to audition for them, don't go. It's not, it's not your place if the show is about race. If it's not about race, go, go. Go be seen, go, go. If there's a show that you automatically think, oh, that person they're gonna cast is gonna be white, I shouldn't go, that is when you need to go. Go. Challenge people in the room. Challenge people's perceptions of what things can be. Make, give us more to see, right? That's what Sondheim always said. Challenge the people in this space to experience something different. I implore you to help me see the world in a bigger way. But I also implore you if there is something that you know you're not necessarily appropriate for based on the text of the work. Um, I implore you to be a good citizen of the earth and be a good citizen of this community and just say no. Say no to the opportunity and ask somebody else uh, or give somebody else the opportunity to tell their story in an interesting way. Um, I also, you know, I think that if you're in the room and you can tell that someone is, let's say, for example, someone has sides and they are handing them to you in the space and you see, oh, this is a character that is um, clearly written as someone who identifies as Latinx and that is not me in the space. I think you can look at those those sides and say, hey, I just want to let you know, you know, and this is, again, totally on you. I'm not telling you you have to do this. I'm not telling you you need to do this. I'm saying if you feel confident in that moment saying, this is not actually my story to tell. I really appreciate you wanting me to read this, but it's not um, my story to tell. You should feel empowered in the room to say that. A, it educates people on how best to use you moving forward. When I understand your story, I can help better match you to projects that will um, resonate with your story. Um, but also it challenges people in the space to look beyond what they think they know um, and and move forward together without being finger pointy or aggressive. Um, just say, hey, this isn't my story to tell, but thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to try. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about that. Um, yes, does that make sense? Does anybody have any thoughts or questions about that? I'm always happy to listen and grow and educate myself in ways because as I said before, I am a white cisgendered human walking through this life. So I certainly do not have all the answers. I have exactly zero answers when it comes to this. I'm just trying to be a better listener. So if you have any thoughts, uh, please, please, please feel free to let me know and help me be better at my job and be better as, you know, a human being experiencing this world. Um, looks like I have a question here. One second, please. Um, this says, Hey, Kate, we haven't had a chance to meet in person yet. I hope that changes soon, uh, but I love following you. Oh, hey, thanks. I Thanks. That's really nice to hear. Uh, thank you so much for all the positivity you put in the world. I love that you say everybody is a Broadway body, and I agree, but I feel like that's still such a roadblock for someone like me in even community theater casting rooms as a tall, Viking-esque, plus-size, but not quite typical character actor. Do you think that the Broadway community is evolving enough to cast leading ladies that are larger than a size 12? This is a really great question, um, and... Here's my answer. The world is changing. The world is changing faster than we know it, but slower than we want it. 
Yes. Um, when I look back at the shows that I was seeing when I was like 15 years old and I was coming to New York to see shows, I very, very, very rarely saw any bodies that were not um, schwack, schwack, boom, dancer, tight bodies, right? Like all of these things. I also very rarely saw people who didn't look just like me. Um, there were certain shows that were all people who looked nothing like me, um, but it was just, it was it, nobody, it, it was a very interesting experience to see what I was seeing. And now when I go into shows, I'm seeing lots of different bodies. I'm seeing lots of different identities. I'm seeing lots of different, um, you know, uh, ways that people experience the world and showcase themselves in it. Um, forgive me, sometimes when I talk, I sound like an anthropologist. I did study anthropology in college. I, I went to school and studied personal adornment and anthropology, how we dress, how we perform our identities. So forgive me if my language sometimes comes across like I am reciting um, uh, an anthropology paper. I am. So sorry. Um, but I think, you know, the world is changing quickly, but not fast enough. So we are going to be the generation that has to challenge and push and question and show up. And do I think tomorrow that everything is going to be exactly what it needs to be? No, I don't. But I do think there are people who are fighting to make things look different. I think there are people who are fighting to make the people who are at least even being seen in the room of auditioning different. Whether they're picked to be in the final cast, that's not necessarily always the win. It's who's getting through that door to be seen, period, is always a win. And I think there are people across the board in all sorts of offices and all sorts of um, different moments in this field who are really actively trying to make sure that different bodies, different experiences of a life, different colors, different worlds are being given the opportunity to just try, right? Because that's the first step. Do I think that's happening? Yeah, I do. I do see a very big shift in who's being asked to come into those rooms to try. Um, do I think all of the final decisions are reflecting that step? No, but this is a big step. The fact that we're seeing all sorts of different people being given the opportunity to audition, that's a big step. Um, so I think we will be seeing changes. I think we already are seeing changes. I look at a show like Head Over Heels and I'm like, oh, that cast is everything. We're seeing all sorts of different things in that show. Um, and, you know, projects like that, getting, you know, the getting to that commercial level, being seen in television commercials, on Instagram ads, on Good Morning America, these kind of things, it makes a difference. And we will see these changes, but we have to keep pushing. We have to keep pointing things out. We have to keep saying, even when helpers are wrong, tell me I'm wrong, you know? Um, we have to keep pushing the envelope to get to that place. Um, and I do think we will see, because we already are seeing a shift in who our leading players are, who the next kind of generation of um, greats is going to be. But we got to keep showing up and we got to keep, you know, pushing the boundaries, pushing the limits and saying when we see something that's wrong. Um, and I also always want to say there's a difference between finger pointing and and educating. Um, and, you know, I think our generation needs to get a whole lot better at educating and not finger pointing. Um, and, and I think we're seeing that. And when we do educate, we are seeing constructive changes. And the changes, even since I just joined the industry, you know, from doing my job, you know, I've only been doing my job for the last like five years. Um, and the things, the differences between when I started and where I am now, um, in terms of what's happening, even just in the conversations with creative teams, it's it's night and day, um, you know. So keep pushing, keep educating, keep showing up, keep challenging the system, um, and I, I think we will see those changes. Um, so yes, they might not come as quickly as we want them to, but they are coming faster than we than we even realize they are. Um, time takes time, takes time. That's kind of how I feel about that. Um, I think I have time for one more question. So I'm going to look here because we're already at 6.53, honey. It's been almost an hour. Um, tell me if you learned something today. Put something in the comments below if there's something that you liked or something that you learned or something that um, was exciting to hear today. Let me know what you got out of this because I want to keep doing it, but only if it's something that's helpful to you. So let me know what you think. Um, okay, so let's see. What question? Um... Oh, this is great. Um, 
how do casting directors respond when someone has had a bad audition? For example, a voice cracking in a song or no strong acting choices. I'm personally worried about an important and powerful CD seeing one bad audition and ruling me out for any future projects for forever. For forever. Um, thank you. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, oh, hey, I'm excited to meet you with the Broadway Collective tour in Boston as well. Hi. Um, so here's the thing about a bad audition. They happen. They happen to the best of them. They happen to everybody. Uh, I don't audition because nope, but I have days where my session hits and days where my session is a miss. <laughs> and it's just real life. I mean, anyone in my position, anyone who is sitting at that table um, knows that everyone walking through the door is a human being. Um, so, you know, I think there has to be a level of forgiveness. There are a couple of what I call unforgivable curses. Um, any of my friends out there, Harry Potter fans, hey, hey, hey. Um, and those things include like bad mouthing somebody else, uh, saying something that's inherently like racist or awful or something that tells me this person maybe is not someone that people are going to enjoy working with. Um, these things are kind of unforgivable curses in my opinion after an audition, but cracking on a high note, like, y'all, that is an instrument that is a muscle. And just like quarterbacks drop the ball sometimes, right? Like people trip, dancers trip, people fall, people crack. That's real life. And anybody who's in a position where they're in that room understands the humanity of performers. Um, I think it's how we respond to those moments that really define who we are as like performers and creatives, right? So if we have a moment where we crack and we completely give up on ourselves, uh, that is really noticeable and not something that is super hireable because these things happen in real life. People trip on stage, people crack in the middle of, you know, their big moment. Um, and so I think that what you can control in that room and what will control the feelings that, um, you know, casting and creatives have in that space is how do you react to your own humanity? right? Like how, how do you control moments where you have to reflect on your own humanity? And when people start cursing or being, making excuses or being hyper dramatic about something, it tells me a lot about who you are. When you crack and you can laugh at it and you can say, would you like to see that again? Let's try it again. Or, you know, um, can we, can you vocalize me? Can we, can we figure out how to navigate that? Something's help me navigate to that place, right? Like these moments where we work together to navigate our humanity are the things that make someone hireable and make that moment forgivable. Um, so if you've done something in, in a room and you think like, oh God, those people are never going to see me again. Um, I just doubt that. Uh, I highly doubt that unless it was something that was truly like offensive, in which case that sometimes can be kind of an unforgivable curse. Um, but if it's something like cracking or falling, I've hired people who have cracked. I have hired people who have literally fallen on their face in a dance audition. I've hired people who have gone up on lines three times. Like, it is how you react to your own humanity that makes all of the difference in those moments. Um, so that is moving forward, I think, how you should approach that. If something has happened in a room that you feel like you need to discuss with someone because you feel like you're not being seen again, that is your own journey. That is your own um journey of a relationship with that person and I completely honor that you um can have that conversation if that's something you want to do but I think that people crack and that's okay <laughs> like that's really okay it doesn't have to be your day every day um but as long as you're willing to keep showing up and keep doing what you do then one day it's going to be your day you know one day it's going to hit um and that's what it is all right, friends, it is time to go. So I'm going to leave you with this little thought. Um, as audition season is like rapidly approaching, not that there's ever really just one audition season anymore. It's kind of an all year thing. But as we know, a lot of jobs start happening in the fall. I just want you to really, really take care of yourself. I want you to make sure that you are eating well, that you are going to, to use your body however you need to use your body. I want to make sure that you have friends who are taking care of you, making sure that you have a tribe that you're 
you're doing like a once a week thing with, that you're really enjoying, you know, a game night or going to dinner or having family dinner, whatever that looks like. I want you to make sure that you're doing something that has nothing to do with theater, right? Like something that is just fun, a pottery class or playing a sport. Yeah, I said it, playing a sport or, you know, doing something that has nothing to do with this. Making sure that you are living a complete and whole life outside of just the audition grind because it will make you a better auditioner. It will make you a better human. It will make you a better friend, a better partner, a better kid, all of the above. Um, and all of these things are really, really, really important. So I just want to encourage you to take care of yourself, find your tribe, find your bliss. Um, and remember after every audition, if you showed up, you were successful, right? You won the game because you showed up. So after that, treat yourself, treat yourself 2018, right? Like treat yourself because you deserve it because you took the time to be an artist who was challenging themselves, challenging the craft and doing the work. It might not always be your day, but I'm proud of you just for showing up. Yeah. All right. I think you all are amazing. Tell me something you learned in the comments below. I will see you next week at six o'clock. If you missed this live stream, or if you want to listen to it again, feel free to head over to Apple iTunes and look for office hours with Kate Lumpkin, like, and subscribe. Give me a little comment. It helps other people find this information. Um, and if you found this video useful, please feel free to share it. I think you guys are amazing and I will see you next week.